It is Yudchas Sivan, Tavshin Pei Beis, 18th of Sivan, 5782, here at the database with Rabbi Yeshua Eisenberg. And this evening, this Shabbos, it will be Yud Tes Sivan, the 19th of Sivan. And although for this particular issue of Inyana Diyomi, you might feel that the connection is a little bit forced. And I know on the previous episode, I said that we will do our best not to force any connections. But the truth is, the idea that I'm about to share is one that I was really considering sharing anyway on the podcast, if not in this series, in a different series. And I also could not really help but notice the connection between our Parsha HaShavua and tomorrow's daf, and that is in the topic of Tzara'as. We find in Parsha's Baha'aloscha, at the very end of the Parsha, Miriam is afflicted with Tzara'as for speaking Lashon Hara against her brother Moshe Rabbeinu, a topic that we discussed earlier this week on the podcast. And in tomorrow's daf, for Shabbos, we have Nesachas Yavamos, daf Kuf Gimel 103 in Yavamos, and on Kuf Gimel Amid Beis, we find the topic of Tsaras creeping up. Now, if you think the connection is too loose, then you can take it up with me at thedatabase at gmail.com. That's the data than base, B-E-I-S at gmail.com. Same place to reach out to me if you want to give a sponsorship for the Harabatsis Torah that we do, or if you have questions, comments, concerns, or recommendations, also reach out to me at thedatabase at gmail.com. Now, once again, we are looking at the Indian of Tsaras. The way that Tsaras is manifest on our daf tomorrow is that the Gemara continues its discussion of chalitza, the ceremony that's performed by a woman who otherwise would be performing the ceremony of yibum, the lever at marriage to her brother-in-law when her husband has passed away childless. She's supposed to perpetuate his legacy by marrying her brother-in-law. But when she does not do that, she goes through chalitza, the process in which she gets effectively removed from the bond to the brother-in-law, and that process takes place with the removal of a shoe. She takes the shoe off of her brother-in-law. Now, the Gemara discusses what happens if the sandal or the shoe that's used, or that would be used in this particular ceremony, what happens if the sandal was afflicted with tsara'as? We know that clothing and other things can be afflicted with tsara'as, besides for people, like we find in our Parsha, but clothing and houses as well. The Gemara goes off on a whole tangent on tsara'as when it appears on clothing and on, on buildings. And once again, I could not help but notice that we find Sarah's both in our Parsha and both in the Daf. And after all, there aren't so many places in the Torah that we find the topic of Sarah's. We find it in Shemos with Moshe Rabbeinu's Sarah's. We find it in, obviously, Tazria and Mitzorah. And then we find it in Parsha's Baha'a There's one other Parsha that we find it in, which I'll mention in a second, that actually has to do with our story right here in Parsha's Baha'a We know in Baha'a Miriam received the Tzara'as for speaking Lashon Hara, and that particular story is reflected on again in Parsha's Kiseitse. Now the Pasuk in Kiseitse, the context there, does not always get so much attention because there are 74 mitzvahs in Parsha's Kiseitse, so many different topics that this one can easily get lost. But the Torah tells us um, in Kiseitse, Chav Dalid, Pasukim Ches and Tes, it says, Hishamir Benega Hatzaras, that you should carefully guard the Tsaras. We learn from here the prohibition of cutting off the skin that's afflicted with Tsaras. And then the very next Pasuk, Pasuk Tes, the Torah tells us, Zachor Esa Sherasa Hashem Elokecha Lemiriam, Vaderech Betseischani Betshaim, that we should remember what Hashem did to Miriam, that he afflicted her with Tsaras on the road when she spoke Lashon Hara. When we were on our way out of Mitzrayim. And a very simple question to ask is why is it so important that we remember what happened to Miriam? So you might say, well, because Lashon Hara is very bad, the Torah wants us to know better. But still, the Torah can also just tell us not to speak Lashon Hara. The fact that we have to remember it from Miriam 
for generations is just such a bizarre, and it almost seems like it's not fair. She was a tzaddikas after all. Why should we remember her every single day? This is one of the sheishes of heroes. Why should we have to remember Miriam every single day for the you know the 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 one mistake we can argue that she made and. And, you know, it's just such an embarrassment. Not only that, think about how Moshe Rabbeinu also received Saras in the Torah. We're not told Zachor to remember when Moshe Rabbeinu spoke Lashon Hara. Now, perhaps a simple reason for that is that when the Bnei Yisrael received the Torah, they had not known about Moshe Rabbeinu's Lashon Hara. Um, at least they, they, they did not see what Hashem had done to Moshe Rabbeinu. They did not see that Saras that Moshe was afflicted with. Here for Miriam, this was public knowledge. They all had to wait um, a week for her um, to, to heal. So since they all experienced it, this is something they can all remember. But the question still stands is why the Dafka, we have to remember the story of Miriam, and why does this have to be how Miriam's name goes down? Even though we know the schus of Miriam, the Be'er Shem of Miriam, the well that we received in her schus, and yet we have to remember her every day because of the Lashon Hara that she spoke about Moshe Rabbeinu. And a very simple answer to this question and why we have to reflect on this. You know, whenever we think about Tzara'as and the cause of Tzara'as, even if we don't receive Tzara'as nowadays, but we are still very much familiar with the Avera of Lashon Hara, that is something that is always relevant for us. And I think the Torah is trying to tell us not just that Lashon Hara is bad. Any Avera is bad. Right? Anything that is inappropriate according to the Torah is going to be bad. But the Torah specifically highlights Miriam, and I think it is because we learn so much more from the mistakes of the righteous than we learn from the failures of Rishayim, of wicked people. And this is uh, why we know that Nadav and Avil, for example, were considered Kedoshim, they were considered holy, even when they made a mistake, or even Moshe Rabbeinu, when he hits the rock, uh, you know, obviously a, um, um, it was a mistake on, on their part, and these were tzaddikim. And whenever we are analyzing the actions of the Avos and other figures in Tanakh, who we know from Chazal are righteous, so we can't just go into a character analysis the same way we would, would analyze anyone that we can see with our own eyes, and that is because the Torah spoke in a way so that we should be able to learn from them. We have to assume that Miriam acted the Toelas. In fact, Rashi um, says this much, that um, this is Rashi on our parsha, Bamidbar um, or Bahalosicha, Yud Bez Aleph 12.1. Rashi quotes the Tanchuma from Tzav. It says, Uma Miriam Shalonis Kavna Miriam did not have in mind, she did not have the tension to disparage Moshe. Kachne and Asha, nonetheless, she was punished. So Kalvachomer Lemesaper. Um, to someone who intends to speak disparagingly about someone else. I think that's really the takeaway. Miriam was a tzaddikas, and that's the dafka why we learn from her. Not only was she a tzaddikas, but she had good, positive intentions. Now, we know that the Chavetz Chaim talks about the concept of Lashon Hara Letoelis, that there's perhaps a right context to do it if you're following all the rules of Lashon Hara Letoelis. And still, Miriam, on her level, on her exalted level, she was judged. We have to know how dangerous Lashon Hara is. Maybe not so that we won't get Tzara'as ourselves, because after all, Hashem's not giving Tzara'as. But what we do have to remember is how even at Sadekas, on her level, we could only imagine her great level and her love for Moshe Rabbeinu. She was not doing it to insult him. And she was doing it for what we have to assume was the right reasons. And nonetheless, as righteous as she was, and as, as all the intentions were correct, and still, she was punished in accordance with perhaps her level, but in accordance with the crime that she had committed in her Lashon Hara, that's something that has to speak to us, especially all the chattering that we do about other people, whether it's at shul or at work or, or wherever it may be, 
we speak about other people, and, and can we really say that we have even close to the righteous intentions that Miriam had when she spoke about Moshe Rabbeinu? And perhaps another thing to consider is how we speak about our leaders, how we speak about Rabbanim, how we speak about um, people who represent us in Torah, um, how, how quick we might be to, to speak about others, behind the, especially behind their back, maybe perhaps even worse if in person, but to speak about them behind their back because we don't like the job that they're doing, you have to be very, very careful. And the truth of the matter is, the fact that we have to remember Miriam for this, we can argue, should be a schus for her. It is in her schus, the schus of her righteousness, that we are able to learn from her example. When she makes a mistake, how much more we can learn about how we should act, how careful we have to be, even with the most righteous of intentions.